1: On News Radio 680 WPTF.
0: And I'm Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner.
1: And I'm Deborah Lewis,
2: Certified Financial Planner. And we're here to answer your questions for the next hour. Doug,
1: Deborah, one question that someone wrote in is I am due to begin required withdrawals from my retirement savings. What are the advantages and the disadvantages of an annual lump sum re- withdrawal? as opposed to a monthly payout.
0: Yeah, that's a big uh, topic. When a person turns 70 and a half, pretty much everybody knows that you can't do nothing. You're required to go ahead and take your distribution. It's called the RMD, which is the required minimum distribution. If you don't take it, you're going to get hit with a 50% tax penalty. But uh, I personally feel that the best way to do it is not to take it annually as a lump sum, but to take it monthly for two reasons. And quite frankly, that's what I do with my own. Uh, I like to have it come out monthly because if it's coming out little bits at a time through the year, the effect of it hitting too hard on any one investment in your IRA is less. And if you happen to not need it to live on, But are reinvesting it into your own personal funds, you get the benefit of dollar cost averaging. If, on the other hand, you do need it, it adds to your regular monthly living expenses. So, I like my answer is it should be monthly, Linda.
1: Very good. And to those of you listening this evening, this is Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF. And if you've got questions about your retirement plan, your 401k, maybe you're approaching that 70 and a half mark, what should you be doing about your IRAs and your 401ks? Call us at Lewis Financial Management and we can answer that question. 919-872-7000. Well, another uh, person wrote in about Social Security. And her question was, my husband started taking Social Security at his full retirement age, but has continued to work. He's now 75 and he's still working full time. Over the past ten years his benefit has gradually increased because of the cost of living adjustments and his continuing contributions uh, that he is pay- uh, that he is receiving to so- from Social Security. So, the spouse is nearing full retirement age, and she's trying to figure out, how much would I receive as a spousal benefit? I know that at my full retirement age, I can qualify for half of my husband's benefit, but do I get half of what he started receiving 10 years ago, or half of what he is receiving now, including the adjustments to his benefit? Well, this
2: one is uh, an an answer that is uh, twofold. Your spousal benefit would be based on your husband's current payout, including the cost of living adjustments and any increases tied to his continued wages. But I guess the first part here is that she needs to wait till full retirement age.
0: Yeah, if she is 65 or 66, whatever is her full retirement age, then yes, she can go ahead and start taking it. Only, of course, if he's already taking his. If he's taking his, she can start taking hers if she's full retirement age, and Hers will be based upon where his is at that time, not where it was when he started some years ago.
2: If you want to call us during the week to set up an appointment for yourself, give me a call at 919-872-7000 and we will get started. We'll make a list of the
0: questions that are on your mind. Let's take Anna's call. Hello, Anna. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. Linda Lewis, how can we help you this evening?
3: Well, hi, Doug and Linda. Hey, um, about two or three years ago, I bought into a real estate investment trust that was not publicly traded.
0: Okay. Now, was it a private, uh, a private, a real estate investment trust? For our listeners, is, is uh, called by its anagram a REIT, R E I T. But there are private REITs and public REITs, and then there are non-traded public REITs and public traded public REITs. Which was it?
3: Okay. It was a non-traded public REIT.
0: Okay. Then what's your question?
3: Okay. I bought in at $10 a unit. Uh Uh-huh. And right now, the fair market value is only $9.35. Okay. And so, last week, investors got a letter that said that there was somebody who was interested in buying it for only $6 a share. Um, It was somebody trying to go in and scoop it up (laughs) before it went public.
0: Uh, It's very interesting. I think I'm familiar with what you're talking about. I never give specific investment advice over the air about specific investments, but I will tell you there is an alert out by the Securities and Exchange Commission about certain types of companies that do what you're talking about. Okay. And if you read carefully in that letter... If they mention that they are uh, that they are interested in buying less than five percent of the entire uh, reit, usually it's something like four point nine percent or whatever. That's the alert from the SEC. These companies do not have to file uh, or give public information about what they're doing because they're buying less than five percent, and so they are seriously to be avoided. If you call my office. I have much more information that I can give you because I am very much familiar with the entire story.
3: Well, that makes sense because Cole property then sent a letter right back out to us and said, do not sell at $6. It's really worth (laughs) (laughs) 9.35.
0: You're touching on something that the public needs to be alerted to about who's real and who's not real out there. And, uh, yeah, that's a very interesting story. Well, I am so happy to hear it. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Anna. Let me see. How old are you?
3: Fifty-eight.
0: You're fifty-eight. Married or single? Married. And uh, both of y'all working or neither of y'all working?
3: Both of us are working.
0: Okay. What's your family income?
3: Well, right now it's around 300000
0: 300000 in family income. Any children at home you're supporting?
3: No. However, yes. we kind of are sandwiched because we have parents in a nursing home.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And
3: then we do have a daughter who is getting a divorce, and so there's going to be some expenditures there.
0: I don't know if you heard us. I think it was was it last week or the week before, Linda, we touched on this very issue caught between... Uh, both up and down. Uh, and I talked about an upward trust and a downward trust to, to solve the issue. But tell me a little more about your situation. Your family income is about $300,000. What is your family in uh, living expenses? What would you say y'all live on before you go to the up and down?
3: Well, for right now, we seem to be spending everything we get our hands on because we still have a substantial mortgage. And uh, the money that we could normally save is going right to the nursing
1: home. Oh, so you're taking care of mom and dad's expenses.
3: Right. So that's about $7,000. Uh, well, actually, our share is about 3500 a month.
2: If you'd like further information, call us at 919-872-7000 or go to our website, com. That's com.
0: All right, now, what does your investment portfolio look like, first of all, on the non-qualified side, meaning the wow. personal, not nothing in retirement accounts?
3: Okay, zero. You
0: have, you have accumulated nothing in investments other wow. than retirement.
3: What we've done, instead of the retirement accounts, the only other thing we've done outside of that is buy rental real estate.
0: I, You are probably... Tell me a little bit about that, but it sounds like we're an accident waiting to happen. Uh, Tell me, first of all, about the – before you go that way, tell me about the retirement portfolio. What do you have in 401ks, IRAs, and and pensions, and so forth?
3: Okay, well, I'm going to just ballpark it right now and say there's about a million in all of those retirement accounts.
0: All right, and have you been advised about the matter of what's called IRD tax – Yes. Okay. So you know that at the time that you both pass away, there'll be as much as 30% of this gone to IRD tax, even though there's no estate tax.
3: Yes, unless we spend it while we're in retirement.
0: Yeah, and I would guess that's probably not your goal to deplete everything so your children would get nothing. Am I correct?
3: Well, if we did, at least we would have liquidity. With the rental properties... We were thinking we would just leave the rental properties to the kids.
0: Well, I would say you're, without sounding too abrupt, I would say you're looking at the world through a uh, the wrong set of eyeglasses. There's a way to have everything that you want. Tell me a little bit about the rental properties first, because I think there's a way to have your cake and eat it too.
3: Okay. With the rental properties, only one of them is cash-flowing positive.
0: What's the total value for How many properties are there? There's just two. All right. And what's the total value, market value of them?
3: Okay. The total market value between the two of them is about 500,000.
0: All right. Is there any debt?
3: Yes, there is 250,000 in debt.
0: All right. And so that 250,000 is that spread I guess across the two of them equally or
3: No, only on one piece.
0: All right. What about your residence?
3: Well, the residence is highly mortgaged. Fair market value probably is about a million, and we owe about 800000
0: on it. All right. You know, Anna, y'all are in serious need of total financial planning. You, you, you really are. There's a way to achieve your goals. What you don't want to do is to bank everything on the real estate and have a step up in basis and, and so forth. That's not the way to go about it. And yes, you're 58 years old, but starting next year, when you're 59 and a half, you you're in that target age where you can go ahead and start to receive income without any tax penalty, if that's what you choose. I can think of a lot of things that you should be focusing on and have the whole thing packaged at once, but uh, there's no reason that you should be doing it the way you're doing it. The goal should not be to spend down your uh, your retirement funds, no, because you're able to go ahead and and your expenses right now. How about your parents? Your parents are costing you about seven, about thirty five hundred a month, right? Right. All right, and they have no assets of their own, I presume.
1: That's true.
0: Okay.
3: But
1: they're getting Social Security, right?
3: Yes, but that only pays part of their nursing home bills.
1: Yeah, probably their
3: that pocket. Right, And I think, Doug and Linda, that's what's so frustrating is that that money that we would have at the end of the month, we could start making a portfolio of non-qualified stocks and bonds, which would kind of even out our investment pool.
1: Right. Yeah,
0: but you could also do both. You could also, if you let go of of the rental real estate, you've got a quarter of a million right there ready to go ahead and start with. I'd love to play with this. I think this would be fun just to go ahead and play the numbers two or three different ways. If you will call my office during the week, Anna, go to our website. for. Have you been to our website yet?
3: No, not yet.
0: Go to DougAndLinda.com. That's D-O-U-G-A-N-D-L-I-N-D-A. DougAndLinda.com. And there's a video on there of myself with Linda, and there's some previous clips and everything, but there's also the phone number to call the office and schedule an appointment.
2: Give us a call at <laughs> 919-872-7000. We look forward to meeting with you.
0: And I would love to meet with you and show you what I think would be the better way to approach your overall view. I know it can feel stressful when you're in that sandwich generation. You've got to trust, I mean, you've got to issues in the uh, in the generation above you, and Yet you also have what you're telling me is the problems below. How many kids do you have? Just uh, two. Two. And they are what ages? They're
3: grown. They're actually they're grown. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But I mean I knew they'd grown, but what ages are they?
3: Oh, uh thirty and thirty four.
0: And which is the one having marital problems?
3: The thirty four year old.
0: All right. And the thirty year old is is that a he or she?
1: And he's doing fine. He's doing That's fine. That's great.
0: Okay. Uh, You know,
1: you probably, at this stage of your life, you've been really blessed overall. And, you know, even that you could assist your mom and dad at this stage of life. um, I'm sure that, you know, being able to, to care for mom and dad in this way gives you a lot of comfort. But at this stage of your life, the most important thing is probably to simplify things, right? Yes. And it would give you more comfort to not have to deal, I would imagine. I'm just guessing here that to not have to deal with rental properties and good tenants and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But if you could take that equity in those properties and add that to your investment portfolio, that would, you know, in the big, in the grand scheme of things, would give you more income you know, to plan on for when you and your husband decide to retire or stop working. And it may be that you won't just stop working, but maybe you'll do part time working or a contract. Mm-hmm. Or
3: Yes, yeah, so what you're saying is perhaps you would want to exchange the rental income for more market-driven income,
0: that's exactly right. And that market-driven income, I think, could be used to go ahead and pay your parents' uh, nursing home costs because it's an, it's it's a it's a period of time that's not going to go forever.
1: Exactly, it's just a so, it's just a so window I could, of opportunity. Yeah, I could
0: see that mm-hmm. income from the from the liquid side once those properties were sold, them producing uh, income, even if we were depleting part of the principal uh, for. To Because that then leaves the rest of your world, your $300,000 income, able to now build at the same time.
3: I see. Yes.
0: And then as far as the coal, the coal credit property trust, too, that's in the IRA, I imagine? Uh,
3: yeah, that's a qualified uh, investment. Okay. Retirement
0: uh, now. All right. Anna, call my office. Go to our website. Take a look. Call my office during the week. Speak to my daughter, Deborah, or Linda, or one of the people at my firm, and they'll schedule a time to meet with me. I would love to meet with you.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for the new ideas, and I'll do it. All right. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks for calling this evening. Okay, bye bye. Bye now. Have a wonderful week. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF. If you need help, call me,
2: Deborah Lewis, 919 872 7000.
1: 919 872 7000. At Lewis Financial Management, what we do is comprehensive financial planning. That's right. And, you know, we are a fee based financial planning firm. There are many out there who, who you know, invite people. Let's have a get acquainted free session, a free consultation. But could you describe to our listeners what comprehensive planning involves? Well. That sets us apart.
0: Oh, that, that's, uh, I like answering that question, Linda. <clears throat> well, first of all. If you go to one of these free sessions that you're talking about, whether you're invited to a a luncheon or a dinner, uh, you're going to hear a short little intro, and then it's going to be followed by a focused presentation for a product that's being sold. Very typically, they're annuities, but it might be something else, but it is just that one investment. On the other hand, comprehensive financial planning is much more than just your the client's investments. Comprehensive financial planning is income tax planning as well. Are you going to hit the alternative minimum tax? All these are the kinds of tax planning questions that we add as part of comprehensive financial planning. Of course, we spend a lot of time designing the client's investment portfolio and letting them know how to achieve their financial goals with their investments with the least risk. But we also want to focus equally on what kind of tax planning can we offer the client. And then in addition to that, we want to take a look at their estate. What happens? Do you have the proper estate documents? Do you have revocable living trusts or not? If you do, are they funded or not? Do you have living wills? What kinds of things are in your living wills? All the kinds of uh, issues in the estate planning world. We add that to comprehensive financial planning. And of course, we do a lot of retirement planning. The comfort that the client wants to know, if they're not retired, when they retire, they will be able to live off their investment portfolio and never see it go down in value. And if they are already in retirement, how to go ahead and have an investment portfolio that will continue to give them the desired lifestyle they want without any reduction in their desired lifestyle and still be growing. So this is Comprehensive Financial Planning. I'm Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. That's what I've been doing with my clients and Debra, that's what you're doing. I
2: mean, you know, it's so integrated. Everything that we do in every conversation with every client tends to be so integrated and focused on how one thing that you might have thought that was your primary question leads to three or four other questions in
1: regard to other areas that it will impact. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family and call us at Lewis Financial Management. If you have questions and you need comprehensive financial planning, call us in Raleigh at 919 872 That's 919-USA-7000. We'll be happy to set up an appointment with you. And if you set up an appointment, we'll be uh, offering a free book, one of three free books. That is Middle Class Millionaire. The Wealthy Barber, or Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth?
0: Don, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you?
4: Yes, sir, Doug. Uh, I've been in your office, and i met you, and I appreciate what you do. Oh, thank you very much. Um, and you have a nice wife, too. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> uh,
0: that's a given.
4: <laughs> uh, I'm getting some points here.
0: <laughs> okay,
4: I've got a, I'm, in the, I'm a real estate broker, and I've got a couple questions. All right. I have a couple older people that have property. With very little base in their real estate, right, maybe three four hundred dollars an acre, or something like that. And uh-huh. we're looking at a sale of maybe uh seventeen eighteen thousand an acre. Mhm. What can they do? They want to carry the paper and have an income. What can they do about these capital gains taxes and the taxes on the property as such? They're sixty in the early sixties, but they are retired. Well, let's see uh one set of them are.
0: If there's no debt on the property right now, we can solve that one. There is no debt. All right. Here's, the, here's what they can do. They're in their early 60s, and the sale price of the property is how much?
4: Well, uh, they're about 62 years old, and the sales price of the property would be like $135,000.
0: Okay. So we have a $135,000 asset. Vacant and land. Vacant land. And we have basically no, uh, very little basis in
4: it. Yeah, very little. Maybe 10000 $10,000. $10, yeah.
0: And so obviously their accountant has told them, wait a minute, if you sell that thing, you're going to have $125,000 long-term capital gain. Okay. So obviously uh, that's a bad situation for them to move on. That, that, that's, that's what's holding them back. Here's what can be done. First of all, why is it they want to carry a note on the property?
4: Well, they want to help out the people who are buying it because they're young. For one thing, they want to spread out the income for taxes. They feel like that they just pay what they gather in on a yearly basis.
0: Okay, and, so and well, let me ask you this: Can the people who are buying who want to buy it can they get their own financing? Well, I guess they could. I mean, it can be done the other way, but quite frankly, it's better for uh, for the for the seller if he's got the whole lump, and that's because of the power of compounding. Now, here's what has to happen. They need to set up a Section 664 trust. Section 664 trust will ultimately pass what is placed in it to a charity. It may not be 40 or 50 years, well, they're in their 60s, it may be 30-some years from now. But ultimately, what goes into this trust will go to a charity. Therefore, step one, they transfer the deed into the name of this Section 664 trust. Step two, the trustee sells the property to the buyer and pays no capital gains tax at all. Right away, we've saved the entire capital gains taxes.
4: Is that that a revocable?
0: No, it's not a revocable living trust. A revocable living trust is the exact opposite. That's revocable. This is irrevocable. Uh, This will work out wonderfully. Because a revocable living trust is established for the benefit of the person who sets it up. But this one is established, at least in the views of the IRS, for the benefit of some charitable institution, university, or nonprofit.
1: And Are, be- are both of them retired? Doug? Both, of them, both of them are
4: officially retired. Yeah, they are.
0: All right. Now, once we, once we do that, the trustee then sells the property and the entire 135000 would come back to the trust. It can then be invested to produce as high an income or as low an income as they want. Do you know? Do they need the income now? Did you say the reason?
4: Well, no, they both have retirement income, and they don't have any debt.
0: All right. Well, if they just living expenses. All right. Then, if they don't need the income, it works even better for them because now that hundred and thirty five thousand can sit inside that charitable trust. And it can be invested by the trustee in any investments, basically, they want. They could have it in uh, plain old uh, bread and butter, blue chip stock growth and income mutual funds. They can draw all the income from that along the way. Not only that, they can be their own trustee, which is the only way that I would advise them to do it.
4: That way they never give up control. Mm -hmm. I do want to sit down with you and and, uh, go over this.
1: You can call me at the office during the week. And the number in Raleigh is 919-872-7000. That's USA 7000. Well, thank
4: you both, and and, and I will give you a holler and, and get with you. Okay, very good. And Take care. Thank you very Enjoy much. Enjoy the rest of the day. All right, same to you
2: Well, you know, Doug and Linda, that's a typical question in our world, in our level of expertise. Matter of fact, we recently, in the, in the world of trust, we had a question come up by a current client who's been with us, oh, I don't know, about 10 years or so. And uh, you might want to talk about another way that the Section 664 trust is used.
0: Yeah, the, back to your question, Linda, about <clears throat> comprehensive financial planning. A lot of people think that it just deals with the investments. But as I said earlier, it deals with taxes. In this particular case that Deborah's talking about, this client has a business. Uh-huh. And the business has been going on for a number of years. And now there is a buyer that wants to buy the business. So if they sell the business, there's going to be a big tax. And that produces a problem that the Section 664 trust is going to solve. What we're going to do here, we're going to go ahead and create a Section 664 trust first. All of this has to be done before the end of the year because the buyer wants to buy it before the end of the year. Right. Then our client who has this business has to do one other thing because the business is an S corp and to give the business the stock in the business to the trust can't do that with S corp stock.
2: Right. He's going to need to convert that S corp stock to C or regular corporation stock. That's right.
0: Once he does that, then he can give his stock to the trust and He can then turn around and have the trust sell it, which is basically selling the business 100% tax-free, and immediately reinvest that money inside the trust with no taxes, and immediately start paying a monthly income to himself for the rest of his life and never have paid those taxes.
2: Sounds like a really creative way on how to sell a business, produce a retirement income, Produce an additional income. That's right. But just most importantly, sell tax-free. And at the end of your life, or yours and your spouse's life, or yours, your spouse's in a fixed years, you give
0: to charity. Yeah, it works beautifully because a lot of people don't know how to sell a business tax-free. And, of course, this was Don's call. Don, if you're still out there listening, we're looking forward to meeting with you. And, of course, we're already doing one of these right now. Going to try and get it done before the year is over.
1: It's definitely a win-win-win situation. So, if you're out there listening and you're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family, we've been discussing um, individuals that happen to have an appreciated asset, and maybe you want to sell your company, or maybe you want to sell some inherited stock, or other securities, or maybe it could be a farm or some land that you inherited. And you know, many of our um, millennials or the you know second generation, when they inherit farmland, they're already professionals, and this might be a way to sell a farm or a
2: beach house. Right. We've had several of those scenarios pop up in the last uh, three to five years. But, um, but this is just another area of what we cover at Lewis Financial Management. Uh, do go to our website, DougAndLinda.com. And don't forget that when you make that first appointment to come in and meet with us for a face-to-face meeting, we give you a choice of one of three books, The Middle Class Millionaire or Wealthy Barber. Or simple wealth, inevitable wealth. And um, and we've had that pleasure of uh, of meeting with lots of folks this year. This might be your question. Give us a call tonight.
0: There was an interesting article by Tim Stefan in tax planning about 401ks and 401k Roths.
2: Yeah, over the last decade, 401k plans have come to more closely resemble their slightly older cousin, the individual retirement account or the IRA, at least in terms of the ways to make contributions to those accounts. Those extra options, however, mean participants need to better understand the tax implications of their choices.
0: Yeah, a lot of employers now are offering employees two choices for contributing to their 401k plan. Contributions to a traditional 401k are what's called pre-tax contributions because they're deductible from taxable income. These grow on a tax-deferred basis and withdrawals of both the contribution and the earnings come out fully taxable. In
1: 2006, employers began offering a Roth 401k option, allowing after-tax contributions that are not deductible from taxable income. These contributions and the earnings on them are tax-free when you withdraw them from your Roth 401k. Now, high-income taxpayers are precluded from
2: contributing to a Roth IRA, but those income limitations don't apply to the 401k equivalent. So choosing between a traditional Roth 401k is essentially a bet on how your future income tax rate will compare to your current income tax rate. A traditional 401k contribution offers a tax benefit today in exchange for future taxable income. A Roth 401k is the opposite. A tax cost today in exchange for tax-free income in retirement.
0: It's basically the old story of pay taxes now or pay taxes later. In general, if the tax rate during the withdrawal period when you retire is higher than the current rate, then the Roth 401k is the better option today. If the current tax rate is greater than the traditional 401 if the if the tax rate then is going to be greater, the traditional 401k is a better deal. While it's easy to say tax rates are only going to go up, most retirees at our firm, at Lewis Financial Management, find themselves with lower income or lower taxable income and a lower tax bracket during their working years. And that's especially true when you look at those last couple of decades before retirement, when people are in their peak earning years.
2: If you have a question and would like to ask it either after hours or have me call you back after the show, feel free to call the office, 919-872-7000. That's
1: 919-872-7000. So think of a married couple that's in their early 50s who have a combined income of, say, $250,000 of taxable income. Well, that places them in the 33% tax bracket today which means a, if they contribute to a traditional 401k it'll provide them a 33% savings
0: and then for a tra- traditional 401k withdrawal to be taxed at a higher rate that couple would need income in retirement over $413,000 before they even begin the 401k withdrawals when you consider capital gains which are going to be a big part of many retirees' income, don't push ordinary income to a higher tax bracket, it's even less likely that those retirees are going to be in a higher tax bracket than they are today. And then,
2: of course, there's another kind of couple who might be wondering if this is right for them. How about someone with a more modest taxable income? Say 80000 that plus places them in the 25% tax bracket. To be in a higher bracket in retirement, they would need income in excess of 151,000. While that may be
1: a more realistic scenario than the first, it's still a big increase. So, higher income employees will probably find the tax advantages of a traditional 401k appealing and the tax cost of those withdrawals in retirement less than they might have expected.
0: So while younger, lower-income individuals are more likely to benefit from foregoing the current tax advantage of the traditional 401k in order to have tax-free income from the Roth 401k in retirement, even that's not always the case. The Roth option is popular, as the allure of tax-free income in the future can be a strong one, but a thoughtful analysis of current and future tax benefits may lead to a very different conclusion for you. So you need to call us. Call us at the office during the week, 919-872-7000. During the week, that's 919-872-7000 to meet with us.
1: Well, Doug and Deborah, I just wanted to say that also, that little discussion that we had about 401Ks and Roth IRAs, that is also part of comprehensive financial planning, isn't it?
0: It's very much in the minds of people because they're promoted. You know what gets into the minds of people, Linda? And what is that, Doug? Whatever advertising puts in their mind.
1: Oh yes, that's exactly yes, indeed. right. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. There was a there was uh, a professor in Canada back in the '60s. Marshall McLuhan was his name, uh-huh. and he said, "The medium is the message." The medium is the message. The advertising becomes the truth. So they hear Roth IRA, Roth IRA, 401k Roth, 401k Roth. So right away, they figure... I should do it. Yeah. And they come to our office and they say, I've always heard. Right. And I say, where did you hear it from? Right, right, right. And it's
2: good that it's on their minds because it brings up the question, does this apply to me? Is it in my best interest? Is it going to get me to financial independence and retirement planning the way I want? And that's the real
0: question. And the good news is we can tell them the right answer.
1: Yes, indeed.
0: It's always for them. Yeah. It differs client to client.
1: Absolutely. There is no dumb question out there. If you've got the question, then you need to ask it and you need a competent advisor that can answer the questions that you have. So whatever your questions are, write them down. Call us at Lewis Financial Management. We can set up an appointment with you to review your situation or maybe you're working with someone and you'd like a second opinion. Call us at Lewis Financial Management. We'll be happy to set up an appointment with you. That number to call is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000.
0: Debs, what's new in the world of retirement planning? Well, retirement
2: planning is uh, usually divided into two things. You need, we need to know how to invest
1: before you retire. But tonight, we're going to talk about how to invest after you retire. Yeah, there was an interesting article in Kiplinger. And Kathy Kristoff wrote this article about Exactly that. How and to invest after you retire. That's right. So, so let's you just turned
0: 66 years old. Okay. We'll take that example. You just turned 66 years old. You're heading toward the great unknown called retirement. But now you've got a bad case of the willies. You're wondering whether your money is going to last as long as you do it. So how do you approach your portfolio now that you're no longer collecting a paycheck? When it comes to investing in retirement, experts say that there is one guiding principle. You can't earn back your nest egg without a steady paycheck. So you'd better make sure that you're investing wisely and safely. When you're still working and the investment markets don't do what you hope they're gonna do, you'll always have the option of working longer and postponing retirement. But
2: once you've retired, you have lost that margin of adjustment. You shouldn't have to revamp your portfolio drastically at this point. But how do you get started? Where do you begin? Well, take a look at three factors. Number one, the sources of your retirement income. Number two, the flexibility of your budget. And number three, your ability to tolerate risk on both a practical and psychological basis. From there, you can structure a portfolio based on one of two popular asset allocation strategies that place a high priority on safety. There's the bucket plan, or there's the cover the basics
0: approach. Yeah, the bucket formula essentially splits your savings into three pieces. The Cover the Basics plan or the Cover the Basics approach aims to match your fixed expenses, what we at Lewis Financial Management call your recurring monthly expenses, with your fixed sources of income, such as Social Security, pensions, things like that. The rest of your investments are invested to provide income for non-necessities, like travel, entertainment, gifts, which presumably can be postponed During a stock market downturn. Right. Now,
2: compare your regular sources of income to monthly expenses. This step is aimed at calculating the gap between income and expenses that need to be covered by savings. For instance, if a couple needs $6,000 a month to meet the day to day expenses and they receive $4,000 a month from Social Security, and let's say they're age 66, then their gap is $2,000 a month. So advocates of the bucket approach would encourage this couple to start by putting between $48,000 and $72,000 in short-term reserves. But
0: we don't like that, uh, the bucket approach at Lewis Financial.
2: That's Right. And and that wouldn't be what we recommend. We at Lewis Financial Management and others like retirement expert Steve Vernon prefer the cover the basics approach.
0: Yeah, this approach then allows you to cover all of your recurring monthly expenses. And that then permits you to take more risk with your remaining assets. As far
2: as how to invest the rest of your nest egg, those remaining assets, many experts believe that retirees can devote more of their savings to stocks than they would think. That's partly because both the bucket and the the cover-the-basics approach protects retirees from short-term stock market downturns. And when you have time to wait out declines, you can tolerate more stock market volatility.
0: How we have at Lewis Financial been approaching this in... By uh, breaking clients' income sources into guaranteed income, Mm -hmm. which would be Social Security and pension, and then predictable income from investments that produce a regular predictable income, Mm -hmm. and then matching those two to our our recurring recurring monthly monthly expenses. And then the non-monthly expenses Mm -hmm. that may come up. We, approach, we go to the mutual funds and make withdrawals mm-hmm. to cover them because they can be timed uh, or delayed according to what the funds are doing at that time. And clients really like that approach. Uh,
2: Absolutely, because the last thing you want to see when there's a, a volatile market is the need to have to sell on the day that it, there's a downturn in the market. And if you don't have to sell on the day that there's a downturn in the market, you can sort of turn that off when you're not forced. That's only because you've matched a recurring monthly expense with a recurring monthly income. And you can postpone that, that, um, that withdrawal from the investment portfolio for anything that might be able to be put off. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda and Deborah Lewis. Call to make an appointment with Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner of Lewis Financial Management. Call 919-872-7000 or visit our website, dougandlinda.com. Well, let's take another call.
0: Hi, Ronnie. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you?
2: Uh, I'm
5: 55 years old, and I'm thinking about retiring. I have 33 years with my company. I know what I get from retirement, but I'm also considering doing the taking the social security before 62 and I don't know what the disadvantages of that are.
0: I know that you can take you know that you can take your social security before 65 but I didn't know that you could get it before you're 62.
5: Yeah. With this plan you can but it's it's really coming out of your retirement because you get less retirement from the state after you start drawing social security.
0: Well, the disadvantage and the risk is probably that your pension is going to be less. And you've got to be able to say that you think that you can go ahead and uh, invest the money better now, to where you don't need that higher pension then. Right. And what do you what do you have right now in your investment portfolio, Ronnie?
5: Not much. <laughs> I have a mutual fund with maybe twenty five thousand.
0: That's it. Mm-hmm. And you're fifty five years old. Yeah. Are you married?
5: Nope. But I've got a decent retirement. I mean, I could I could get by on what I get just from the retirement. I could get by a little better if I take the Social Security early.
0: No, but at retirement, you're going to get less then, aren't you?
5: Yeah, but the Social Security makes up for it. I mean, theoretically, I will get the same thing after I'm 62 years old as I would. After Why would was...
0: you take the Social Security now then?
5: Because I'd have a little bit more free money.
0: Oh, you want to spend it?
5: Well, I want to try. I want to be able to do what I want to do.
0: Yeah, then my answer is no. (laughs) I don't think so. Knowing just a little bit, there's got to be a trade-off somewhere. There
5: has to be, and and I don't know what it is. And I
0: think that you're not reading it right. It sounds like it's similar to what we call the leveling option. That's
5: exactly what it
0: is. Okay, well, the leveling option says that you will get less out of your retirement money if you went ahead and take it now. Right. And so we want you to get the bigger retirement check then. And when you take your Social Security at that time, you will have the Social Security plus your pension. Okay. I'm nervous if you're telling me, if you told me that you've got enough, but it sounds like you're living too close to to advise you, certainly on the air, to risk something like that. All right. If you're in my office now and I went through everything very closely and I could cross-check, I might say something else. But at least for for the air, I'd better say don't do it. That number at the office, by the way, is... 919-872-7000, 872-7000. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Ronnie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Well, that was a very interesting question, and you're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis Family on News Radio 680 WPTF. We found a very, very interesting article in Kiplinger. Five money lessons that women must learn. And it's important to understand these five basic points in order to take control of your life and be financially independent. That's right.
2: Even some families, it's the women who are the ones who are meeting with folks like us, their certified financial planner. So we know that uh, there's a lot that women need to understand about money. One of the first things to understand is that money is an emotional topic. Many people are uncomfortable talking about money, and women are especially prone to think of the subject as taboo. But But avoiding the subject means missing opportunities to learn more about it, And take control of your finances, especially with your financial advisor. Don't be shy. Understand your budget. Know what your income, expenses, and debts are. Understand your money-related goals. Buying a house, paying off debt and understand your current investments. Be honest so that your certified financial planner can provide you with an accurate plan. More importantly, you and your spouse need to communicate about money, whether it's in the joint checking account, paying off debt, monthly spending, or planning for the future. No financial plan is going to work
1: if you're not communicating. And a second important money issue is Reviewing beneficiaries is important. When was the last time that you reviewed beneficiaries? If you can't remember, it's time to go through every bank and investment account and insurance policy. And many women end up being the primary caregivers of not only their children but also of their aging parents, yet they fail to think about what will happen financially with their children and their parents should they pass away. So this is especially true if you've gotten divorced. You wouldn't want to die and have your ex get your hard-earned money. Not sure where to start? Well, call us at Lewis Financial Management at 919 872-7000, 872 and we'll guide you and we'll get answers to your questions. Another tip
2: is that everyone needs an estate plan. What's your legacy? All too often, we hear women and couples tell us that estate planning is only for people who have lots of money, but that's simply not true. An estate plan includes directives for your care should you become incapacitated and where money and other assets are to be dispersed in the event of your death. We need to think about what we want for ourselves should we become incapacitated and unable to make decisions for ourselves any longer. Additionally, we have to make sure our assets and valuables go to the people we hold dearest to our hearts. Otherwise, anything we own goes through probate before our loved ones have any say in what happens to our personal belongings. Most importantly, an estate plan gives your loved ones peace of mind about your wishes.
0: Yes, so with regard to these five crucial topics for women, saving is number four. Saving for retirement should be a priority. Having a retirement plan that's going to fund the lifestyle that you desire is vital. So many women do not have the savings they need, just like our last car, in order to maintain their lifestyles through their retirement years. And unfortunately, many women live in poverty during that time of their lives due to lack of planning and saving. Many people would begin with an employer-sponsored plan and a conversation with a certified financial planner like myself, Doug Lewis, or Deborah Lewis Certified Financial Planner. We can help you. Taking the time to plan and start saving as soon as possible is absolutely vital.
1: And the fifth lesson to learn is financing adult children should not be a priority. While we understand that there are times when parents take care of their adult children or support them financially, your goal, if you're a listener as a parent, should be to have your children be able to support themselves financially And as a mother, as a parent, you'll always feel an obligation to ensure that your child is safe, your child is happy and secure, but your children need to be responsible for their own financial well-being at some point, so you can't fall into the trap of supporting your adult children. Otherwise, you'll be spending your retirement financing adults who could be supporting themselves. So as women, we've created our own businesses, we've raised
2: our children, and we've created a lifestyle that no one can take from us. Now it's time to take money matters into our own hands and create a financially future, a financial future of our dreams. With the help of a certified financial planner like my father, Doug Lewis, or myself, Deborah Lewis at Lewis Financial Management, you'll be on your way to getting this started. If you want to accumulate enough to be financially independent, Call me, Deborah Lewis, at 919 872 7000. That's 919 872 7000. Well, Doug, Deborah,
1: what else is new in the world of estate planning?
0: Well, there are some other issues or topics that we were going to talk about this evening. I'm not sure we have enough time tonight, but there was one. person who wrote a letter and said my dad passed away five years ago he did leave a will on how he wanted his estate to be dispersed but only if his current wife was also deceased she was not so she got everything my question writes the child is when she dies is she required to honor our dad's will She's remarried, which is fine. I'm glad she's happy. My dad has four biological children from his first two wives, had none with his third wife, his widow, when he passed away. We don't want to take anything from our stepmother. We just like our dad's will honored when she dies. Is this even possible?
2: So the, the answer of this column said, well, dear daughter, when it comes to the inheritance, children usually fare better than stepchildren. Your father's wishes were honored, I'm afraid to say. He wanted everything to go to his wife, and in the event that she predeceased him, wanted his estate divided between his four children. But she didn't, and she inherited the whole kit and caboodle. You could talk to your stepmother about anything of special sentimental value, but if she chose to leave you anything that belonged to your father in her will, it would be out of goodwill rather than legal necessity.
0: Yeah, you know, it it may be that the father had meant to write a will that divided his estate more evenly between his wife and his kids, but that's not what happened. So in this case, any non-probate assets, meaning anything jointly owned between the stepmother and the late father, any life insurance policies or brokerage accounts where the stepmother was named as a beneficiary, they're going to go to her. Anything that goes through probate will also go to her, and If the daughter or the mother were a beneficiary of the father's life insurance policy, then the stepmother would not be entitled to that regardless of what the father's will stipulates. And if the divorce decree put the obligation on the passing away of the father to maintain life insurance in the mother's name, for instance, his last will and testament couldn't even change that. He would be in contempt of court. So it's a tricky situation in indeed you know uh, we've seen it before happen but it was the father's money it was the father's estate and when he died it went to the stepmother children sometimes confuse their parents assets with their own but my advice is use a certified financial planner like myself or my daughter deborah lewis and we'll make sure it never happens to you don't forget Your money matters because your financial future is at stake.
4: And Listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, call Doug, Linda, or Deborah in Raleigh at 919 872 7000 or go to DougandLinda.com and listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis on News Radio 680. 680-